Welcome to the KuzaCast, where we interview some of the most influential people in tourism from around the world. My name is Graham Watson, and I'm the founder of Kuza Global. The word Kuza means a new dawn, and in 2023, we want to find out just how our guests are working towards that new dawn. Join us and subscribe to future episodes as we hope to inspire you with stories of strength and resilience in the tourism industry. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of KuzaCast. I am here today with my ex-boss, Mr. Craig Drysdale, who is now the Director of Sales and Marketing at ITT, Inspirations Travel and Tours, based in Westville. Hello, Craig. How are you today? Hi, Graham. Yeah, no, fantastic. Um, just suffering with the heat in Durban, as we know, to the humidity levels are extreme. But uh, other than that, good. Thank you for, for the invite. No problem at all. Yeah, Durban's Durban's having one of their typical typical Januaries, and it's uh, yeah, lo- lovely to see the great blue skies. That's that's the great thing about Durban. It's uh, it's one of those year-round destinations. But certainly, January and February tests a lot of people with uh, with their resilience to extremely hot weather. So <laughs> I think we're going through that now. Um, but yeah, so thanks for thanks for joining me. It's always great to have someone of of your experience in the industry on on the show we've luckily had quite a quite a few people and i think the the podcast is gaining some great traction so i think we're going to get some some good listeners all over the world listening to uh listening to the story of how african businesses in particular are are coming out of the the pandemic and rising up again um into what will hopefully be a fantastic 2023 for a lot of businesses so for those uh, who don't know uh, who you are and what 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 you've done in your career? Uh, it's an illustrious CV, I must say. So, if you could take us back to to the beginning uh, in the mid nineties, how you got into tourism and and how you sort of stepped up to to where you are today. Thanks, Graham. Well, interesting. I, I think I'm one of those people that should never have got into tourism. So, uh, after studying, I majored in English and history, and my Ambition then around 95, 96 was to uh, to be a lecturer, a teacher. You know, my uh, family came from teaching background. Uh, but like most of us, as soon as we finished study, I needed a job to pay off most of, your, most of our fees. And uh, uh, lend, through an opportunity, land up with a company called Springbok Capitalist is where I really, you know, sort of bit my teeth mm-hmm. and joined Springbok Capitalist in 1996 and uh, went and spent 17 years with Springbok Capitalist. And and interesting when I started, uh, uh, and it was really Springbok Catalyst for me was going to be a stepping stone for a year, and then I then I was going to go back to my ambition of teaching, uh, and that never happened. Uh, but interesting, you know, English and history was used, you know, within within the tourism space going forward. But I always like to tell people that when I started off, uh, my first job was an ox controller, so that was literally <laughs> loading, giving drivers wables and uh, loading waters onto coaches, and I did that for six months. And obviously, must be pretty good at that because then I then eventually was offered an operations manager position that eventually became regional KZD manager, national GM. And then I was very fortunate um, uh, around 2006, 2008 to actually uh, be appointed as uh, CEO of the coach, uh, the Springbok Catalyst Coach Charter Division. Uh, and I did that in, in, until up until 2012. Uh, from there, I then moved on, came literally working up in Johannesburg, came back to Durban and joined uh, Thompson's Africa in 2013 as head of global sales. And that, uh, of course, that's where I know you from. And 
Yep. One of my colleagues for many, many of those years and spent the next seven years with Thompson's African had a fantastic time with the company, uh, looking after the head of global sales and doing what we needed to do. Uh, and then in November 2019, made the decision to go, was kind of out of my own, but join a company, Inspiration Traveling Tours, which incidentally is celebrating 40 years this year. It was created in 1980. Oh, congratulations. 40 years. Wow. 40 years. So, you know, it's a business that does inbound, outbound, has a bit of a little bit of retail. Uh, and so joined them in, uh, like I said, November 2019. Uh, and then four months later, I was joking, I said, they went on leave for two years because COVID came along. <laughs> so it was a fantastic company. We worked for them for four months and then we were all sort of forced to leave for two years. But of course, <laughs> uh, everything is back. Oh, yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and everything's back. So with Inspiration Travelers, head up the sales and marketing side and uh, yeah, loving it. And it's just great to see the tourism, both in inbound and outbound, coming back very, very nicely. So we, we're very excited about that. Yeah, that's awesome. So for the local South African uh, listener uh, that works in the tourism industry, just tell us a bit more about your your outbound. So if any travel agents are looking for particular destinations that you you focus on, I know you're quite strong in the in the Nordic region um, and Hertjegruten cruises and and all that kind of stuff. So maybe just uh, just let travel agents know what what destinations are your speciality for for outbound from South Africa. Yeah, look, primarily the business started off as an outbound operator and then, of course, delved into inbound tourism as well. But our speciality, particularly over 30 years, has been Morocco, uh, Egypt, Mediterranean, uh, Turkey, uh, Israel, uh, Scandinavia. Uh, we also the, look after the Hutu, with the cruising agents for Hutu Gruten uh, and World ex- Expeditions. So we just focus on those markets. We don't tend to go and sell the world because we always believe it can't be everything to everyone. But for those, particularly over 30 decades, those particular destinations have really been our key destinations. And of purely a B2B, so we work purely through the trade. Uh, we work with all the major uh, travel agencies with, within Southern Africa, uh, as well as a lot of independent travel agents. But yeah, ITT is known, uh, ITT is known for those, um, for those outbound destinations, particularly on the outbound side. Yeah, that's, that's great. Great to hear. And of course, the inbound as well, you deal with many, many uh, uh, countries around the world that that want a reliable ground handler in, in South Africa. So it's a great, uh, diverse business. And and um, I wish, yeah, it goes from strength to strength. So what, you. Uh, when you when you look back over the last nearly 30 years, uh, what What's one what's what's one thing that you think what what curveball did you apart from COVID of course what what curveball did you did you experience what challenge that you faced that you that sticks out in your mind and and how did you sort of overcome that? Well, I think if you, I mean if you look at the biggest challenges by no I mean we've had many challenges within the tourism industry over the years but definitely I mean COVID was really a real test, yeah. tester for all of us. Um, you know, I, I always laugh. I said, if you look back and you ask me, you know, how did we overcome it? So, you know, if you go back to the old days uh, when we had 9-11, the ash clouds, the water crisis in Cape Town, Ebola, we call those crises and how we overcame those things. And we thought that mm-hmm. we, at, at that time, we thought they were really uh, big, big issues. Didn't realize what the big issue that, that COVID would actually be coming forward. Um, so, you know, over the years, I would really say, you know, those were the kind of the, in my, in my sort of almost 27 careers of, of, of challenges I, 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 we have faced or I have faced, but certainly did not expect the COVID challenge. But as I said, it was a challenge. 
where to find solutions within it as a business, as an industry. Uh, and, and we did that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think that's without a doubt is, is the, is the biggest challenge that anybody's faced. I don't, I, I can't think of many other industries apart from obviously restaurants and pubs, which, you know, all fall under the hospitality leisure that, 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 that we all, I mean, that, you know, complete shutdown for, for months and months at a time and then reopening all hope and then shut down again. I mean, it's, it's really, um, and as, as I've said on and with other guests, you know, the spirit of camaraderie, the, the 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 spirit within the tr- tourism industry of even you know competitors helping each other out and and uh, it's really is lovely to see it's a lovely industry to be a, a part of in that respect there's um i'm sure you feel the same way in all the conferences you've been to there's there's uh, such a lovely spirit within the industry no absolutely i think you know i think that spirit has always been there you know i always say you know you know, this industry is a big industry, but it's very small uh, from, from, from a networking. You know, a lot of people know one another, very supportive, you know, within our supply chain. Like I said, there's so much products, destinations, uh, and even competitors. You know, at, at one stage, you know, you you rub shoulders with your competitors. You learn from each other. You support each other. Absolutely. Go yeah, yeah. I've always found uh, uh, that, that has always been a great inspiration. Some of our greatest mentorships or mentors have come from uh, from operators who we would consider uh, you know, opposition or, or uh, competitiveness. But uh, I think tourism has always been a very family-orientated uh, uh, industry. We, 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 what I mean by that is that, you know, we're not just numbers. We really know each other personally. Uh, mm-hmm. And within that, it's not just colleagues. You know, some great friendships uh, have formed and uh, great support going forward. And that is why it's not surprising when COVID came along and we had these, you know, open and closed, open closed. There was such a reaction. From the tourism mm-hmm. industry, everybody got together and really, you know, fought the fought the fight, um, and it was really just trying to get over some some draconian uh, rules that I guess government and certain things put in place. But having said that, we went through it, we stuck together, we pushed through it. There was obviously in the beginning a lot of carnage, uh, you know, there was a lot of emotional, uh, you know, trauma with people losing jobs, and there was a lot of jobs. And you know, there's one thing I said, you know, if you look at all the industries. Not just in South Africa, around the world, and tourism's always when these big, uh, big issues happen. We're always the first to go down, and the last to come back. Uh, and you know, while the world is moving and changing, particularly tourism is still waiting. So it's tough, but uh, but I think just to go back what you said, I think that support of everybody within the industry supporting one another uh, for me definitely stood out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I must say, I, for my business as well, it's been very humbling to see. Yeah, just everybody helping me and, you know, sending leads my way and, you know, just it's it's so supportive. And, you know, I just think everybody wants everybody to get back on their feet as quickly as possible. And that's uh, and that's been a, a great, a great uh, thing to to, to see. Good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so your let's let's talk about um Let's talk about productivity. I know, I know you having worked with you for for seven years, and uh, you know we've still maintained a friendship after that. You you are a very detail oriented uh, person. You you like to have all your ducks in a row. When it comes to productivity, just like a two part question: what 
what for you is the most productive time of day? I know we've we've done a few cycles on the promenade together. Uh, I did feel a bit bad because you kind of had to slow the pace for for me, but <laughs> but we we did have a great uh, a great time and yeah. So I know your morning routines involve a lot of uh, fitness and activity, but um, and then also your a work tool that you use that um, that's helped you be productive and and helped your your day uh, just just be a bit more streamlined. So most productive time of day and and yeah interesting so, you know with uh, thanks graham yeah i think my most productive time particularly in emails and you know it's also trying to get through all those lines and lines of emails is probably around five to seven in the morning i find i probably get more emails or work done for between five and seven in the morning and i alternate that between that and sort of exercise and that kind of stuff so definitely five o'clock in the morning and then I'll allow the day just to, you know, to strategize to do work and that. And then about three o'clock in the afternoon, I'll then tackle emails again uh, and, and and sort of set up things for the next day. So that kind of is very much before hours and after hours. And then you use the day with the team uh, to really just, you know, to put our thinking caps on to help with any processing or consulting or product management or whatever games through. So uh, I tend to find that I, I like to get up early in the morning. Uh, and funny enough, I go to bed early, so I'm uh, up up early, go to bed early, and then I, I use that thing. From a tool point of view, I'm still very, you know, very much sort of old school. I still believe in the good old to do list. Uh, you know, I always feel that people, you know, you, you put your to do list on a digital or an email or these uh, wonderful to do lists and things, but you know, it's hidden away from you. And the only time you get to, you get to go through to do list digitally is if you seek it out. But I like to have a good old, and I'm sure you know this. A, piece of paper or a book on the table with a to-do list on top to it because it's always there on the table reminding you to 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 complete your your call to actions um i do that with the team as well you know we work on a very simple uh, concept called uh, aura which is objective resources action plan we all set our weekly objectives monthly objectives depending and so it's setting those objectives what resources do we have or do we need and then put in action plan together but we keep that in writing and it's on our yeah. desks, and everyone has a copy. And uh, in our weekly meetings, we will just go back to it and relook at it and just reevaluate where we are. So I'm very much old school who keeps that on the desk written. Uh, and uh, for me, that's a great, great tool. Uh, and I, I know there's some wonderful digital apps, and, and you love your apps and softwares out there. But the point is, it, it stays oh. hidden until you find it. Uh, and that's yeah. Something on a desk right in front of you. It just it's, it just prompts you for that call of action. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of people who still love those desk uh, calendars where you know every day has got uh, a little block and you and you write it down. Uh, yeah, there's 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 ways and means uh, to go about it. And old school, there's nothing wrong with old school. <laughs> it helps uh, it helps a lot of people. And uh, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, as as you know, I, I try and keep everything digital. But you know, sometimes, uh, particularly on long flights, uh, I think you you know all too well that when you don't have connectivity, uh, you know, you you do have to you do have to go back to the pen and paper sometimes. Uh, you know, if an idea comes up in your mind and uh, you know you want to jot it down, so yeah, there's there's still a lot of room for pen and paper. Um, so when it comes to, I know I know you guys at uh, ITT did a recent uh, relaunch and rebrand. So what when when exact was that during the pandemic? I can't remember the timeline, but I know that you did a a lovely rebrand of the logo and um, and website. You did a website relaunch. 
Um, yeah. What, yeah. what, yeah, how, how, what, how active were you involved in that? And, and is it all finished now? Is it complete? Yeah, it's it's pretty much complete. I mean, so when joined the business in November 2019, that was always the focus to to sort of re-engineer uh, some, some sales and marketing within the business, refresh a few things going forward. But of course, when COVID came along in March, it really, despite COVID being what it was, it also gave us an opportunity to stand back and, and like I say, really spend some more time on our website, uh, you know, on our um Look at our tariff, our online B2B system, which we spent a lot of time and effort and money on that B2B system. So even though COVID was, yeah, it gave that two-year break to really allowed us just to look at all our collateral uh, and spend some time in that. And uh, and we did that. And so today, if you look at the uh, sort of our, our corporate logo has been adjusted slightly, more fresher look. Uh, mm. The is far more interactive. Our B2B system, which was an online uh, for, for agents booking system, is really robust and good. Uh, so there's a lot of things. There's still lots we need to change and do, but uh, did uh, you know COVID did allow us not just to sit back and and wait for things to come. We actually used the opportunity with the team, and so I must say this wasn't just a management thing. This was management and the team got involved to really, and I would say, refresh, re-engineer the business. Uh, and so we've done that. And then great stuff is you know last year we had a. A pretty decent year, which we were very excited about. Not quite back to 2019 levels, but certainly far better than what 2021 levels or 20 ghastly 2020 levels were. And then coming mm. into 2023, celebrating 40 years uh, in tourism as a brand. So this year we're really excited about the 40 year thing, and we're really going to have some nice activations both in our inbound and outbound around that. But um, yeah, uh, re engineered a few little things, some things we stick. We stick to because it works. And so don't change mm-hmm. things if it's working. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it was it was great. It was great fun doing so. And yes, I was very much with the team and management involved in in re looking and uh, you know reinventing uh, inspiration traveling tours, particularly for the new post COVID. You know what was what, what we thought uh, with all the changes coming. And and yeah, just just on those changes, uh, there's there have been a lot. Uh, you know, I think the the way the tourism ministry had to adapt to a new way of doing business. Um, you know, home working, for example, uh, the sort of gradual, if not if not quite speedy, demise of of printed material, brochures, um, that that kind of thing. What uh, what do you think is the 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 sort of lasting difference that will that will go forward? That's been that happened during the pandemic and and how is ITT and, and yourself preparing for that or, or adapting to it already? I mean, as I said, I've, I know I can think of home working brochures, but what what do you think has will will never go back to the way it was? And is that a good or a bad thing? A couple of things. I think, yeah, the hybrid solution, you know, working from operating office and home is definitely for me is the big thing that stood out. You know, many years ago, we used to joke and said they should, you know, when things were invented, we should have worked Mondays to Thursdays and Friday, Saturday, Sunday should be in the weekend. So it should have been a 4-3 split, but it was a, was a 5-2 split. But the reality is when COVID came along, a lot of companies are looking at that. Um, Inspiration Traveling Tours, we work Monday to Thursday and uh, at the office, we you know, we would be full-time. And then Fridays, we will be working from home. So we've literally just decided to take it four and three split. And it was interesting. I was looking at it um, the other day, in fact, um, a study, I think it was from Stanton University, that said a lot of people are moving this hybrid model, this four and three split. 
they do know around the world. Some companies did it even before COVID. Uh, and it was interesting the results that came out there. So technically, people get 100% of their salary, uh, but you basically only get in 80% of their, of, of their time, technically in the office, even though they're working on the Friday. But what was interesting is by working on that 4-3 split, or people having that Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even though they're working from home on the Friday, that the, the, the productivity increased 30 to 40%. So yeah. the shift is, is that people are starting to, you know, yes, they're working from home, but they get a little bit more time to themselves at home and they work in between. They can work at nighttime, early hours of the morning and that. But it was interesting that art, from that, that study it came out that the productivity and the not just the productivity, but even people were healthier, happier, um, more motivated. And I think that's key. It's not, you know, you, you think about 30, 40% more, it sounds like we're overworking people. But uh, they were just generally more happier and loved the setup going forward. We've, of course, put this through through to our team and they were very excited for this. And I'm sure there are many operators who are doing very similar thing. A couple of things. Yeah, for- look. Yeah. Sorry, uh, Graham, let's go ahead. No, no, I mean, I was just going to say that uh, when it comes to attracting the top talent and, and retaining the top talent, you, you really have to think about the modern way of, of working now. And I think 2023 going forward, uh, the the expectation is that there's not going to be five days, not you know, eight, eight, to, eight to five or something in an office where where because people have been able to adapt to working so that I think I think for me that's going to be the lasting difference I I certainly have seen this in the UK when it comes to uh job descriptions you know it's never before was it uh even in the title it's it's now kind of mandatory to put whether it's remote hybrid office they they tell you now that's that's the way it is whereas before it was just um accepted that it was going to be office based but now people let you know and I, and I think that it does show a lot as to what the human being as, as a being, you know, with, with our one life we've got on the planet, what do we want to achieve out of that life? We want to, we want to have that work life balance. And it sounds like you've given a lot of thought to that. uh, And which is great because then, you know, retaining staff and attracting, attracting the top talent. uh, I think you, you're going to go a long way with that in, in the long term. It's a great strategy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, 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 you know, look, besides that, you know, I mean, that was one of the really the key thing that stood out, stood out for us and I'm sure for the industry as a whole. But also the, you know, we came up thinking was less is, less is more concept and was interested to take back and look at things within businesses that you sort of took for granted and realizing that, you know, there's by working a little bit smarter within businesses, um, you know, instead of taking up, like I say, the big office spaces, you can take less office spaces, have these hot desks, move things around. So the, the less is more concept has definitely come through for me. The digital versus print, you know, it constantly how we, and I'm sure we're not the only company is trying to get people not to print things, not to print things. And then yeah. came along and we were forced to work from home and from offices. And guess what? Nobody used, nobody printed. Uh, and so coming back into environment, we don't have anybody printing. Even our accounts, which is usually the biggest culprits, uh, so that that is big. And then, of course, big platforms. I mean, we've always had the where tos. We've now got the trip clips, uh, you know. So, so that the days of handing out or printing multiple itineraries into little wallets, uh, sending it through to airports, you know, so guests can get a copy, is gone. People now want digital itineraries. They want it on their phone or yeah. iPads. So, I think that is very good. It's really moving into that green economy that. The industry has always been talking, has always been pushing, but didn't quite get it right. 
So as bad as COVID was, it, it, it kind of forced us and pushed us in in those uncomfortable areas we didn't want to talk about, like staffing and hours, uh, the greening of paper, you know, that kind of stuff. It really just forced us to sort of accept this and, and make these changes. And then the big difference for me to going forward is, and I've got to touch on this, Graham, is domestic tourism. I think, you know, oh, the, no. the domestic tourism was our savior during COVID. And I think going forward, one thing as an inbound or as a tourism industry, we must not ignore the local potential we have. Selling Southern Africa to South Africans and like, if it wasn't for South Africans during COVID, for little operators like ourselves going forward, I think there would be a lot of businesses in trouble. And just the potential that is, in, I think we've got such untapped potential in our, in, our, in our domestic market. So those are really the key things, I would say, the lasting difference um, for me uh, post-COVID. Absolutely. Let's let's um, let's discuss a bit about your your role with uh, with Sigma and the SMEs, if if you don't mind. We can just touch briefly on that. Um, what I mean, just just let, uh, just for the listeners' benefit, what what exactly is the role that you're playing in helping? Because uh, obviously, grow, growing SMEs SMMEs is the uh, way of the of the future as well. We need to definitely tap into that. And you've been doing great, great work in that respect as well. So maybe just touch on that uh, a bit as well. About that's also, I think, going to be a lasting thing going forward. Is is um, assisting with with that sector of the economy as well? Yeah, absolutely. I was very fortunate. April twenty twenty one, the National Department of Tourism uh, through Sigma International was running their National Tour Operator Incubation Program. It's a program that they run every two years. Uh, and, and I was asked to come, you know, well, first question I think I was asked is, what am I doing? I said, well, besides running, gardening and cycling, nothing much, because nothing much was happening. <laughs> yes. And uh, I was really asked to come in really as a, kind of a big brother, as a as a mentor to mentees, or as they call um, incubatees and incubator, and, uh, and, and came on board and... Uh, this is this is a program that runs through all nine provinces, and currently we're 21 months into the program. It expires at the end of March this year, and on that we had 44 uh, SME tour operators uh, that we worked with um, and we brought on. And, you know, I must say during COVID, it was very tough. It was a hybrid model once again. You know, we probably had about 5%, 10% of sort of physical interaction, but 90 95% was actually all online, online courses, Online um, uh, motivation speaks uh, speakers and mentorships. You know, if we did business operations, it was all done on. So even during COVID, it forces that actually you can still do mentorship programs and still do these things uh, uh, through an online as opposed to the physical interactions, and it worked very very well for that. Um, but typically, what we look in the business is we look at we take an SME business and we would look at compliance, access to market. Uh, linkages, mentorships in all different ways will help write up business uh, or ops plans or if there's to raise uh, capital within the business, uh, we'll we'll help them with payrolls, uh, taxations, r- writing up their management accounts. So it's everything to try and build. We'll b- even build, I mean, so far we've close, built onto 25 websites. And uh, and one thing I must say, you know, w- what I've I've really enjoyed going through this program. It was quite humbling for me, you know, being in industry, that there's so many small little products and little businesses out there in community tourism and regional regional tourism. They've got really really great stories, some great product, real passion for tourism, and all 44, believe it or not, during COVID survived. 
they man tourism right. tourism may not have been their core business at that stage, but they you know they 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 pushed off to the side they they pivoted um, and did everything what they could do to survive and but their hearts you know remained within their within their products or within their services they offer. So it's been incredible. It's been it's re- really really been great and uh, and we've got a lot of companies involved as well. You know we also created some workplace exposures. I mean, you know, I must, I must thank guys like Pembury Tours in Port Elizabeth, Springbok Catalyst in Cape Town. We had two of us in Joburg, New Frontiers in Durban, who really came on board with this program with National Department of Tourism ourselves to help these uh, SME companies really from an access to market uh, and look at their products and say, can they take those products and build it into their itineraries and products for guys overseas? So they've been fantastic. And we just really need more key companies like that, uh, you know, who, these guys really look up to it. It's all about mentorship, uh, you know, yes. looking and, and holding and taking their hands going through. And I think it's pivotal to the tourism industry or our economy going forward is that entrepreneurship is really taken in a serious light and, and, and taken through. So it's been a fantastic. I've been involved in the program 21 months. I'm, like I said, I've got three months left uh, and very sad to leave it. But um, but it's it's been an incredible journey and very fulfilling to be involved with uh, people's businesses as personal as we have and, and, and you know, really taking the guys from nothing to to companies that are really, really doing well at the moment. And it's just refocusing, uh, realigning their businesses going forward. Yeah, I mean, that's awesome. I met a few of them around about the uh, the Indaba time last year in Durban. Uh, you introduced me to some of your your um your the, the team that were that you were helping and it was some some lovely products and i think we we all know that that tourists are looking to have that experience obviously they they want to do the the main tourist sites but i think t- tourism itself is definitely changing and to become more immersive and cultural and people want to ex- have experiences rather than just you know walk, walking past the sites taking a photo and getting back on a coach they want to they want to do a lot more with with their time and and make and yeah i mean i just think humanity is pulling together um in in a way i think that's you know if if we can look to any positive that's come out of the pandemic i think that yeah just the general spirit amongst human beings is to try and help each other and you know you realize how vulnerable almost everybody is and if we can all just do our bit to help each other then i think you know it's going to it's going to go well so just, I mean, we've discussed a lot of about what what has been going well. Uh, you know, all the all the lovely uh, positivity that that has been felt and is being felt. What do you do? You think that there's anything that's still missing a trick that we still need to look at and focus on, or uh, you know, there's there's. I mean, what what can you identify that you think still needs to be focused on in terms of of uh, speeding up the growth of tourism? Uh, yeah, um, you know, I, I listened to your podcast last week with uh, Monica Hill and, uh, and you know, she she mentioned this and it was quite interesting because I sat back thought about the perception of South Africa as a destination and she used that Afro-pessimism and kind of sat back and I thought about it and I thought that was actually a really cool word going, for, uh, word going forward and I yeah. absolutely agree with that. But, you know, and uh, so totally, totally agree with it. And I think that's one thing we've got to really work on going forward, uh, but not just, you know, not just as an industry, as a country going forward. But, you know, for me, I think South Africa is a destination. We need to really invent ourselves. Uh, you know, we, we need to re-engineer, 
re-engineer our offering again. You know, I feel the new South Africa, the Monday, uh, you know, the new South Africa Mandela Renaissance is now all tacky. Uh, we need to refocus really on new things, bring in local community, new tourism products, true experiential experiences. And as I said before, support small entrepreneurs. Like I said, they have incredible stories and offerings. We really need to, and like I said, they really need to embrace this SME development, you know, develop, build, and support. And I use a lot of words, re, re-engineer, rethink, re-embrace, you know, reinvent, reunite, rewire, you know, rewrite, redo, re-love tourism, and also re-love what we do. This should be shown, of course, I think, inwardly and, of course, through to, through, uh, through to the world again. So I really think, you know, South Africa is an opportunity. And I think we've got, you know, it's a change anything, but we really just need to go back uh, and, and, and just refocus, you know, where we are as a country, uh, put that out there and, and change those perceptions in many ways. That's unfortunately in some quarters are still very, very negative, sadly. Uh, but yes. you know, this, this will come from the top, from government through to SA tourism, through to two operators. All of us involved in the tourism industry really just needs to reinvent, you know, reinvent and re-embrace. It's kind of a new, a new offering to to the world, I think. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we, we've uh, we, I had Kwache Donkor on uh, last last week. Uh, the the podcast has been released. He was episode two, and and he he uh, deals a lot with with government uh, folk. And he was at the Africa Leadership uh, Tourism Forum um, last year in in Botswana, and there was a lot of policymakers there as well. And I think that. What in my mind, what needs to change is is uh, the accountability of the policymakers and making sure that that there is a more of a streamlined, less red tape, less bureaucracy in 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 the paperwork that's needed in order to advance advance tourism. So there are still a lot of you know perhaps draconian and, and bureaucratic practices that also need to be looked at in order to just open up the doors to. To um, to being able to work, you know, and even in terms of things like visas and and all that kind of stuff, I think there as there has been a definite positive upswing in countries relaxing their visa rules to in order to track more tourists. So, I mean, that that's one of the things as well that that's still. So, I think bureaucracy needs to be relooked at, and if it's hindering tourism, you know, really look at it and and see why it's there. It may have been needed many years ago. No one's thought about changing it but i think a lot of things need to be re-looked at you know permits uh permits for vehicles all that kind of stuff is a, is a long-lasting thing that needs to be looked at too so let's hope in the next yeah few months, i think Graham, you know. i mean, just add on to that i mean think between you and i and the industry and and and, it's, and i think it needs to be said is we know what all the issues are we know we all the we we, we uh you know we, all the hindrances that are so we know we know all these things i think it's just we're in a position we just got to get it done you know, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. really want to increase, you know, to hit those 20, 30 numbers that uh, we have set ourselves from, from, from you know, government or uh, to hit those tourist numbers. These these obstacles, as you mentioned, just has to get sorted. So it's no question. It's not even time to debate. Uh, just get it done. And, you know, that has to come from the top down. And if that happens, you're going to find that the industry and the, you know, the destination, the product owners right across the supply chain will embrace and support and drive it. It has to. Uh, but that you're right. Those, there's some fundamentals that just have to happen. You know, the time of talking, uh, it's just you know talking is over. It's action, as they say. And I think you know coming out of COVID, post COVID, this is the time. If we're going to do it, we must do it now and do it fast. 
Yeah, and I must say that there, there has, I think, there is the spirit of that. I think, yeah, the the days of of of, of having these huge conferences all over the place, and everybody talks about what needs to be done, and then a year later, there's there's still nothing nothing that's that's been done. I think there's definitely more accountability now, and people are saying, you know, come on, let's let's get it, get it all done. We 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 need to get a move on here. So I, I definitely have noticed that as well. Um, yeah, well, thanks, thanks, Craig. It's been absolutely lovely chatting to you and getting your opinion on on uh, the past three years and the way forward for the next uh, three years. How? What's the best way for people to get in touch with you, if particularly on the mentorship side as well as the the inspirations, travel, and tours side? What? Uh, just the website and and your email address. Would be yeah, great. I guess yeah. Just I mean, my email address, Craig. It's very easy, Craig at itt.co.za, and that's a India Tango Tango.co.za, uh, and then our website www.itt.co.za. Um, yeah, Grant, thank you very much. It was, uh, it was wonderful talking to you. Uh, uh, some interesting questions. I had to really think think they quite hard. <laughs> but that's good. That's good. Was, uh, maybe I'll be maybe I could get a job on hard talk lately. Oh, so. <laughs> who knows? Who knows? If, if Turin doesn't work out for you, can always go on radio. Yeah, great. I'm Thanks. Sure, I'm sure it will. But yeah, Grant, thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks, Craig. Um, thanks a lot. We will catch up again soon. I'll end the meeting now and uh, yeah, give you a shout a bit later. Thanks so much, Craig. No problem. Cheers, Grant. Bye. Oh, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoyed the conversation, then please subscribe, leave us a great review, and even check out our Patreon page. Until next time, I'm Graham Watson, and thanks for listening to the Cooser Cast.